Thanks for tuning in for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church of Imperial Valley. We would love to help you plan your visit, so we encourage you to visit our website at www.cccciv.org for service times and our events calendar. Or get the app. You'll find the Christ Community Church IV mobile app in your app store for Apple or Android devices. Maybe you're not suffering with the sickness or the illness yourself, but the person whom you love the most in this world is suffering. This is what I want you to be encouraged with this morning. That woman who had the flow of blood, she mustered up enough faith to come to the feet of Jesus. But you know what? Over and over again in Scripture, we see where people didn't have the faith. They had expended all of their hope, and they had given away all of their faith and placed their faith in the wrong places, but there was a group of people around those who were suffering who had enough faith and believed that Jesus was the answer and brought their loved ones into the presence of Jesus, and they were healed. In the Bible, there was a blind man who was brought into Jesus' presence who was healed. In the scripture, there was a deaf man who was brought into the presence of Jesus, and he was healed. In the scripture, there was a mute man who was demon-possessed who was brought into the presence of Jesus, and he was healed. And possibly the most famous of all of these stories is in Luke chapter 5, where a group of friends hear that Jesus is visiting, and so they bring their paralyzed friend who is laid out on a stretcher to the home where Jesus is teaching, and it's so crowded, so jam-packed, that there's no way for them to bring their friend into the presence of our Lord. And so they take him up onto the roof, and they pull away the tiles of the ceiling, and they lower their friend on the stretcher into the presence of Jesus. They were not willing to be denied. They said, I have to bring my loved one to the presence of Jesus where they can be healed. Don't give up. You must persist. Where your loved one's faith is lacking, you pick up that faith and you carry it for them. You bring them to Jesus where they can be set free, where they can find healing and hope. He's waiting. So there's this huge burden that the church has with, why am I suffering in sickness? If Jesus is able and willing to heal, then why hasn't he? And is it because I have sin in my life? Is it because I don't have enough faith? And Jesus would whisper to you today, my grace is enough, just trust me. Watch and see what I will do. He is there to meet you in that place. But here's the problem. When we put our eyes and we focus our attention on our trial and on our sickness and on our illness and on our disease and in our disabilities, we focus on those things too much. It becomes a huge heavy burden and it's no longer just a physical sickness, but it becomes an emotional sickness. That's your second sickness if you're taking notes. It becomes an emotional burden, an emotional sickness. Here's another dirty word in the church, depression. And this also is a lie straight from the pit of hell. Because it's so taboo in the church. And there's so many faith preachers out there. If you really truly love Jesus, if you really truly have been born again, how can you be depressed? You have to understand the joy that there is in the Lord. And the joy of the Lord is our strength. And yes, those things are true. But you know what? Life still happens to believers. I did some research on depression. And I found out that the average age when depression sets on is 32 years old. 
And I thought about it, and it makes sense, doesn't it? Because by 32, most of us have found a, a life partner. We're, we're married. We have children. We've got you know, a place that we live. We've started in some sort of a career. And we find out that even though I have all of the things that I've been living for my whole life, I'm still not satisfied. I'm still empty. It still doesn't satisfy or satiate my soul. I still want more. I need more. And so we slip into despair. And sadness after sadness after sadness, morning after morning after morning. God wants so much more for us than that. Yes, but it happens. And it's something that we as a church can't shy away from talking about. I read this also that one in eight adults suffers from clinical depression. That's not like I'm in a bad mood or I had a bad day. Day after day, you're living in a depressed state. One out of eight people in this room are suffering from depression. Emotional sickness, emotional illness. Now, there are plenty of symptoms that are attributed to depression. Let me just read to you some of them. Trouble concentrating, fatigue, loss of interest, kind of like some of you right now with this sermon, right? There's feelings of worthlessness, hopelessness, insomnia, irritability, restlessness, headaches, digestive disorders, aches, suicidal thoughts, and even self-harm. All symptoms of depression. And now I want to make sure that you hear me clearly here because I don't want you to walk away thinking that I'm saying something other than what I'm saying. What the world has convinced us of is that there's a quick fix to depression in the form of medication, in the form of some sort of pill. Listen to me. I am not telling you to go home and to flush your medication. Okay? I'm not telling you that. Those medications help with many of the symptoms. They can help you sleep at night. They can help you have an appetite back. They can help regulate maybe your moods. But you know what? Those are all just symptoms. The root is still there. And if you're not willing to look into the root and address it at the root, you're going to be stuck taking a pill the rest of your life. Again, I'm not saying it's wrong to take those pills, they're prescribed by a doctor in, for symptoms, but do you really want healing? Then a pill is never going to do. Do you understand? So what are some of the causes? What are some of the things that lead us to be so depressed? The first thing I want us to look at is the feeling of abandonment. And again, I want you to look at these stories, and I want you to find a story that this is the person that I identify with. This is the one that makes the most sense to me. And so there's a man in the scriptures by the name of Job, not Job. Job, all right, if you want to turn to the book of Job, we'll look at this together. Turn to Job chapter 1. Here's a man who was so depressed at one point in his life, and it's because he felt completely abandoned. Look at how his life is described at the beginning of the book of Job. Job chapter 1, verse 1. There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job, and that man was blameless and upright, one who feared God and turned away from evil. There were born to him seven sons and three daughters. He possessed 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camel, 500 yoke of oxen, and 500 female donkeys, and very many servants, so that this man was the greatest of all the people of the East. This guy had a pretty plush life. He was the most wealthy of all of the people in the East. More sheep, more oxen, more camel, right? He had, he had so much going for him. His life was, quite simply put, blessed. Everything he possibly could have wanted, a big happy home, a table filled with his own children, 
more wealth than he knew what to do with, more servants than he knew what to do with, and in a moment, it was all taken from him. In Job chapter 1, if you go home and you read it, you'll see how his servants came and said, you know what, we were out in the field and the raiders, these raiders came and they robbed us, they took all of your oxen and they took all of your donkeys and only I was left to escape to tell you. And the next thing comes along and, and someone comes and says, you know what, we were out in the field and we were watching over your sheep and they were grazing and in a moment fire fell from heaven and consumed all of your sheep and I alone have escaped to tell you. And then another messenger comes, we were there, we had your camels, and the Sabians came and they took all of your camels, and only I am left to tell you. And finally, the worst news of all, his children were gathered together, sharing in a party at the oldest son's house, and a great wind whipped through the home, and the house collapsed on all of the children, and all of his children were lost, all ten children, and only I have escaped to tell you. What do you do in that moment? How do you feel in that moment? Your life is so blessed. You have everything you could possibly desire, everything you could possibly want, and God takes it from you in a moment. Now, Job, what we'll see in his life is he is on a roller coaster in life. There were times where his faith was really strong, and there were times when his faith was really shaken. He says this, and then Job arose, he tore his robe, he shaved his head, he fell on the ground, and he worshipped God. He worshipped God in the midst of that extreme loss. His children, all ten, just died, and he bows to the floor, and he worships God in that space. He goes on and he says this, he says, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away, but blessed be the name of the Lord. Now you know where that song came from. That's what we're singing. He's saying, God, I trust you. I worship you. My life is in ruins, but in this moment, I'm trusting you. In the next chapter, you'll see how his health is stricken. And he becomes leprous. Most people believe leprous. He has boils all over his body. And he's sitting in the dust of the ground with a piece of broken pottery trying to scrape the blisters off of his skin. And his wife says, what use is life? Just curse God, tell him what he's done to you, explain to him what he's done, curse God and die. Just give up already, she says to Job. Job, but I worshipped him when I had much, how can I not worship him in this space as well, he says to his wife. That's strength, that is faith. But listen to what he says in the very next chapter, Job chapter 3, beginning in verse 11. Maybe you can relate to this this morning. Maybe this is you right now today. Job would say this, why did I not die at birth, come out of the womb and expire? Why did the knees receive me or why the breast that I should nurse? For then I would have laid down and been quiet. I would have slept. Then I would have been at rest with kings and counselors of the earth who rebuilt ruins for themselves or with princes who had gold who filled their houses with silver. Or why was I not hidden or a stillborn child as infants who never see the light? There the wicked cease from troubling me and there the weary are at rest. He says, why was I ever even born? I wish I was never even born. Can you relate to that this morning? You'd be surprised at how many people in the scripture could relate to Job in this moment. We read in the book of Jonah how Jonah felt the same thing. 
He says this, when the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint and he asked that he might die and said, it is better for me to die than to live. I would rather die than stay alive, Jonah says. I'm so miserable here. I'm being scorched with this heat. There's no rest in sight. I just wish to die. Have you ever suffered to that extent, whether it's physically or emotionally? God, I just want to give up. How about the prophet Jeremiah? Listen to this. Cursed be the day on which I was born, the day when my mother bore me. Let it not be blessed. Cursed be the man who brought the news to my father. A son is born to you, making him very glad. I wish I had never been born, says Jeremiah. I wish it hadn't happened. I just want to give up. The Apostle Paul even felt something very similar to this. Listen to this, Philippians chapter 1. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain, he says. If I am to live in the flesh, it means it is a fruitful labor for me. Yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I'm hard-pressed. I can't decide between the two, he says. My desire is to depart and be with Christ. That is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary for your account. I'm torn. I don't really want to be here anymore. I'm preaching the gospel, I'm ministering to people, I'm planting churches, and everywhere I go, it's hardship after hardship, rejection after rejection, persecution after persecution, and so I'm torn. I just want to go be with Jesus, but I know to be in the flesh is more important so that I can continue ministering to you. Jesus himself, in the Garden of Gethsemane, he tells his disciples, stay here for a moment while I go and I pray. He says, watch with me, pray with me, help me. And he says this, because my soul is exceedingly sorrowful even unto death. I feel like death is at the door. Can you relate to that this morning? Job would say this in Job chapter 10 verse 1, I loathe my life. I will give it free utterance to my complaint. I will speak in the bitterness of my soul. I hate my life. I'm bitter at soul. I just, it sounds like a teenager, doesn't it? When they don't get the new pair of shoes they want. I hate my life. Nobody understands me. Nobody gets me. I hate this. I loathe my, can you relate to that this morning? Have you ever been there? Say, I just hate my life. I hate what's going on in and through me. But here's the roller coaster. Yet again, Job chapter 13, just a few chapters later, he says this. Let me have silence. Everyone be quiet, he says, and I will speak. And let come what may on me. I'm ready to accept whatever my fate is, he says. Why should I take my flesh and my teeth and put my life in my hand? Though he slay me, I will hope in him. I will trust in him. Though he slay me, I'm going to trust. That's a roller coaster. On the one hand, I hate my life. I loathe my life. I wish I had never been born. And then he says, but you know what? I'm going to trust him even though he slay me. Can you relate to that? See, Job is so depressed. Job is so sick in his soul, in his spirit, because he feels completely and utterly abandoned by God. He had a, a life of such fruitfulness and blessings, and God took it away. It was all gone from him in a moment. Listen to what he finally says. I'm going to read this to you. This is in Job chapter 30, if you want to write it down. You can read his whole argument later but this is how far job comes in the depths of his despair verse 15 says this terrors are turned upon me 
My honor is pursued as by the wind, and my prosperity has passed away like a cloud. And now my soul is poured out within me. My soul is poured out within me. Days of affliction have taken hold on me. The night racks my bones, and the pain gnaws at me. It takes no rest. With great force, my garment is disfigured. It binds me about the collar of my tunic. He's literally saying, I feel like I'm being choked because of this depression, because of how I feel. I feel like the life is literally being sucked out of me right now. Verse 19, listen. God help you if this is your heart this morning. And let me say this, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm saying God help you. God wants to be here for you, but listen to what Job says. He says, God has cast me into the mire and I have become like dust and ashes. I cry for help, and you do not answer me. I stand, and you only look at me. You've turned cruel to me. With the might of your hand, you persecute me. You lift me up on the wind and make me to ride on it. You toss me about in the roar of the storm, for I know you will bring me to death. Can you hear the frustration in Job? Can you hear his heart's cry, God, I don't understand. I used to be so blessed, and now I'm tormented. Now I feel like I'm choking. The life is being squeezed out of me. I have no reason, no purpose to live. I cry out to you. I plead with you. I beg you to change my situation, and I hear nothing in return. I'm standing here asking for help, and all you do is stare at me. You've become cruel to me, he says. In the midst of that place of heart, God answers Job. And this is how he answers Job. He says to Job, where were you? Let me ask you a question, Job. I want you to tell me honestly, where were you when I formed the world? Where were you? Where were you when I decided how, how big it was going to be and I set the expanse in motion and I placed the stars in their places? Where were you? Where were you when I created all of the animals? Tell me since you know so much, Job. Tell me, you think you can help yourself? You can bring yourself out of your own situation? I don't think so, Job. If you think you can rescue yourself, then let me see you do it. I think you're so wise and your purposes are better than mine. Job, who do you think you are, God says? Where were you, Job, when I made everything? Who are you to question me, Job? Listen to Job's response in Job chapter 42. Job chapter 42. If this is where you're at this morning, may this be your response. May this be your response. Job answered the Lord, verse 1 of chapter 42. I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore, I have uttered what I did not understand and things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. Hear and I will speak. I will question you and you will make it known to me. I heard of you. I've heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes see you. Therefore, I despise myself and I repent in dust and in ashes. Job says, I, I, I was talking about things that I didn't understand. How dare I question you? He comes to a place of worship once more. 
I had heard of your greatness, your grandeur, your glory, but now my eyes have seen it. When did his eyes see the glory of God? When did his eyes see the greatness of God? His eyes saw the greatness of God in the midst of his suffering. God revealed himself to Job. Maybe you feel abandoned by the Lord because of your circumstances and your situation today. God would want you to hear this. That he's knocking on the door of your heart. He's trying to reveal himself to you. If you'll just take notice. Maybe you need to come to a place of worship just like Job did where you pour yourself out. God, I don't know what I was thinking, questioning. I don't know why I asked why. But God, I trust you. So maybe you struggle with abandonment. Maybe that's why you feel emotionally sick. But there's another reason why. We see this in the life of Elijah. He was completely lonely, utter loneliness. Pastor Walter shared the story of Elijah briefly last week. Here's the man who had a great spiritual triumph. He overcomes the 450 prophets of Baal. He turns them back. He slays them all, these false prophets. But when wicked Queen Jezebel hears of his victory over the 450 prophets of Baal, she says, I'm going to take your life just like you took their lives. And Elijah goes on the run. He runs off into the wilderness. Talk about a roller coaster, right? A great victory. God's presence falls in fire. And now he's running into the wilderness because a woman's pursuing him for his life. In this place, 1 Kings chapter 19, listen to what it says. This is speaking of Elijah. It says, But he himself, when a day's journey into the wilderness, came and sat down under a broom tree, and he asked that he might die, saying, It is enough now, O Lord. Take away my life, for I am no better than my father's. And he lay down and he slept under the broom tree. Just, I, I, I'm done. I, I give up. This is too hard. I'm tired of doing this. I'm tired of the fight. Everywhere I look, there's resistance. Everywhere I look, there's tension. It's just, I, God, I, I'm done. And the Bible says he prays to God. He asks, God, just take my life. And then he lays down under a tree to go to sleep just to wait to die. Why does he do this? First Kings chapter 19, verse 9, there he came to a cave. He lodged in it, Elijah did. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He said, I've been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. I'm the last one left, God. There's no one else who will stand for truth. There's no one else who will preach your word. I'm the last one left. No one gets me. No one understands me. I don't belong anywhere, God. I'm alone. So I'm just going to sit here, and I'm going to sulk, and I'm going to wait to die sleeping under this broom tree. It's in that place that God comes to reveal himself to Elijah. And this is what the scripture says. The word of the Lord came to him and said, go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in an earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. 
Here's a man who's accustomed to seeing the miracles of God transpire, seeing glory and fire fall from heaven. He was waiting for God in a wind, and he was waiting for God in a fire, and he was waiting for God in an earthquake, but God was not in those things. God came to Elijah in this moment, not in a miracle, but in a whisper. God says to Elijah, listen, Elijah, I will leave 7,000 in Israel all the knees that have not bowed to the bales and every mouth that has not kissed him. He says to Elijah, Elijah, you're not alone. Thanks for tuning in for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church in Imperial Valley. Christ Community Church has campuses in El Centro, Calexico, and Brawley with services in English and in Spanish. Your kids are going to love our kids' church. Plus, we have a lively youth ministry and young adults group. You're welcome to call the church office at 760-337-9400 with your questions. Or leave us a message on the Christ Community Church IV mobile app, the cccivy.org website, or direct message us on social media. We are really looking forward to meeting you. So again, the website is www.cccivy.org or call 760-337-9400 so we can plan your visit.